What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, guys? Today, we have another Top MarTech Prospect episode. And in these series, we are profiling a recent marketing grad or a current student and answer some of their most pressing questions about the world of MarTech and how to be happy in their future marketing careers. Today's Top Prospect that we're featuring is Sonia Ganica from Ottawa. Sonia, why don't you uh, tell the listeners a bit about you? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me, guys. So, my name is Sonia, and I'm a recent grad of the Telfer School of Management here at UOttawa. I did a BCom with an option in marketing, and right now I'm working as a freelancer in the digital marketing field and also doing art on the side. Very cool. Freelancing, what specifically? Talk, uh, talk about a bit of the projects that you're, you're doing. Yeah, so I'm working as a virtual assistant for a marketing director. We're doing a huge rebrand for an industrial company, so that's mm. been exciting for me to learn more about um, all these projects from a person that's like in such a high position, all of our tasks are marketing. And then I'm also doing website optimization projects for local businesses and helping them grow their online presence, organic social media. And my number one thing that I like doing is writing. So a lot of content being created, um, blog posts, articles, and I work for apartment 613 as well. So I edit everything very meticulously, Oxford Coma is everywhere, and I write posts for their social media as well. Nice. Very cool. Um, why don't you, so like you, you mentioned the uh, University of Ottawa, you did your specialization in marketing. Like when you, when you were picking a, a specialization, why, why did you decide to, to pick about marketing? What is it about marketing that gets you excited? So I did an experiential learning program in high school called Beyond Borders, and it was all business-based. We worked with organizations like the firefighters, the community. We went to New York. We did classes at the New York Public Library. It was amazing. And I just knew that I wasn't a super science-based person, and I didn't want to go into law or be a doctor because that's just too much school for me. And my mom is an artist professionally, and she does teach classes for both kids and adults. So I have that creative blood in me. So I just found the perfect crossroads of being creative with art and business to be marketing. And I don't regret that at all. Like I really enjoyed getting a traditional education from university, mm -hmm. which I do find a little bit outdated with the digital <laughs> strategies now. So kudos to Jonathan Simon for running his digital mm -hmm. marketing class. Yeah. And I've learned so much just by working for clients and every time just saying yes to opportunities and figuring out how to do them later. Mm -hmm. And marketing just has been it for me, really. So I'm glad that I made the right choice for myself. From, from going from school to work, what was the biggest like difference in terms of expectation um, that you had? Yeah, so... Although university is way more freedom-based than high school with managing your own time, I still found being a freelancer and working even for an agency to really take so much of me to work on my discipline and work ethic because it's not like you have an assignment due midnight tonight on Brightspace mm -hmm. and you need to do it or you get these points docked off. It's like now I need to manage my own time and like get myself behind my desk at a specific time to get this much done so I don't stress later so I would really say it's like just finding ways um, that I work the best 
and most productively and knowing myself better too. Like if I know I'm not a morning person, I'm not going to schedule meetings at like 8 a.m. because it'll just be a disaster for everyone. So mm-hmm. I'd say getting to know myself better as a professional has been the positive side effect of working after mm-hmm. school. Yeah, I, I like that that insight about yourself. That's actually super important. As I hear so many people talk about the 10,000 hours that you've got to put on to be an expert, but the first 10,000 hours should be th- really focused on how you work best in your career, right? Get to know mm-hmm. yourself. Like you don't want to wake, you don't want to be at an eight o'clock meeting. Don't, don't do eight o'clock meetings. Let's do, do, do them later. Do them when you're, when you're at the height of your creativity and your, and your cognitive powers. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like something I learned as well is that there's this insane, always do the grind lifestyle that people are perpetuating on LinkedIn, especially, but it's like, you don't need to work super hard to like reap the benefits of like making good money or doing good work. Like Mm -hmm. if you know yourself, you can work efficiently and you can work smarter and not harder and make all the money without being like super stressed and never seeing the light of day or your family. I would argue that I'd argue that you're, you're going to be better at your work if you're, if you're compartmentalized and uh, for, for some listeners know this, but I work three days a week currently. And I always say like the three days that I'm in the office, so to speak, are like the best three, the best hours that I have because I'm so fulfilled in other areas of my life. So I think that you're dropping lots of great wisdom here. So thank you for sharing. That's awesome. It definitely gives me hope that I can work three days a week as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Bit of a pipe dream for, for, for some of us. I don't know if uh, I'll ever get that opportunity, but it, uh, it sounds pretty sweet. All right. You, uh, you sent off three awesome questions. Um, we, we ended up picking one, uh, kind of, uh, touch close to, to my heart. I'm a big, uh, TV show, uh, geek a little bit, if, if you will. So why don't you, uh, read that question off to, to the listeners? For sure. So my question was, do you think there's still a place for Don Draper style verbal presentations in the 2021 remote marketing world? Boom. JT, how do you want to tackle this? So I love the question. I want to, how about this? I'll, I'll dispel like what Don Draper style presentations are. Uh, Cause like, I feel like you, you already have this idea of like um, my, my presentation style and that's okay. So to me, <laughs> To me, the Don Draper style presentation is um, like we're talking about like him presenting like sales pitches to like some of the clients. Right. So um, in in the old days, like this was all done in person and uh, the client would go to the agency's place of work and then the agency person would just like pitch in front of the client in in the boardroom or whatever. And there's usually like a couple of visual elements to it. Um, But like Don Draper really focuses on, on the visual element of that. So um, the question really is like, is there still room for uh, those types of like dedicated presentations on like the storytelling element and the visual side of presentations today in 2021 in this kind of remote marketing world? So I'm 100% uh, in favor of yes, like there's still a place for it today. It's it's done differently because like you're distributing this uh, remotely. But like, um, I'm, I'm going to start off with like the, the first point that I want to make is uh, the storytelling point. So uh, like, this is the key part of Don Draper's uh, presentations in, in like all of his show. And I, I've geeked into like some of the, the deeper meanings uh, behind some of this stuff here. But like, 
the compelling story is always like a key part of, of his sales pitch, right? Like he's, he's never just pitching like the ads and the story for, for the product. Like he's pitching the emotional connection that you create uh, with the, the presentation itself. So he's, he's really big on that, on that um, storytelling part. And I think that like today in the remote marketing world, like there's still totally a place for that storytelling angle. I'll go back to like one of the first episodes we did. Uh, we interviewed Brian Leonard on the show. He's a chief technology officer, super technical guy. And we asked him, how do you pitch a project to uh, a development team, like a super technical team? And his answer was very much in line with like how um, Mad Men, uh, how like Don Draper kind of formalizes his presentations around storytelling. And it's basically like, instead of saying like, we want to do this, or this is what we want to do. He's taking a step back and like sharing personal experiences and telling the story of what this project would mean if it was completed or if it was successfully implemented. So like in, in the event of, of Don Draper, like instead of selling the ad, he is selling how the, the market, the target market is going to respond to the ad. So he's selling like the emotional response and the connection that you're going to have with your target audience. So like pitching those projects and doing those presentations in a remote world, like let's say you're pitching this to your development team or you're pitching like a project internally you still need to sell that story side of it so instead of saying like we need this at our company we're missing this you can start off by saying and this is what brian, brian leonard said if we had this tool this is what we could accomplish or like we are trying to solve this problem and that problem and by adding this tool or by doing this project we are accomplishing this so that that's my big first rambling um, part of this on, on storytelling. And I don't know if this is interesting at all, John. Uh, well, you know, confession, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. So I haven't, I have watched a little bit of Mad Men and I'm kind of have the visual from, you know, a few of the episodes I've seen. But you touched on so many things that I 100% agree with. Just re relax, Phil. I'm not going to attack you on, on presentations. <laughs> you, you, my presentations are awful. Here's the thing. We're, as human beings, we are hardwired to understand story. Everything is a story. Simple things have caused an effect. Everything we look for is a causal relationship between one thing or another, right? Like, you know, you flip a coin five times and it's head every time, you know, we want a causal relationship with that. We want to believe that there's going to be heads again, right? Or it's going to be tails because it confirms some story. So I see this all the time. Well, I would go for more like the technical angle where people present data and it's, here's, here's a bunch of data, you know, oh, wow, data's king. No, it's not. It's the story behind the data and editorializing and providing some context of these things is so important. So I, I would agree completely. Like if you're making a connection about what you're talking about with an actual story and connecting with the humans behind that, it becomes a lot easier to get people to do the thing. I mean, why are you presenting? To, mm -hmm. to get people to do the thing that you want them to do, right? Um, so you yeah. get more, yeah, you get more yeah. uh, bees with honey than vinegar. <laughs> I like it. Like you don't need to, to be an expert in, in the show to, to kind of get the, the point that we're driving here. Like I, I think we're, we're both agreeing that like telling a compelling story is the, at the heart of any presentation, regardless of what you're pitching, whether you're pitching to a client or you're pitching a project internally, uh, telling a story with like personal experience is uh, help, helps like strike these like emotional chords with, with your audience. Right. And that's what, mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to do. Like the, the example that comes to mind with, with Mad Men, uh, Sonia, 
I don't know if you um, love this episode too, but uh, I'm thinking of the um, the carousel, the Kodak carousel episode where uh, Kodak comes in with this new like fancy carousel where you have to put like slide pictures in and uh, Don is like pitching um, the ad idea that they're doing for Kodak. And uh, he's like pitching this with a movie. So like using Kodak's like carousel, uh, which is basically like the first um, presentation tool, like you can have pictures and slides and you can present them, whatever. So it's like he closes the lights and the audience is there and, and listening. And, and he he could pitch the, the carousel product as something like, this is a revolutionary slide projector and you can take a bunch of pictures with it and put them into slides and you can share them with a room of people just like I'm doing right now. But instead he took like a full compelling story mode and um, he was like, this, this device is not a spaceship, it's a time machine. It takes us to a place we ache to go again. It lets us travel around and around and back home again to a place where we know we are loved. And in the show, like it's super sick, like a bunch of characters just like leave because like they're so emotionally wrapped up in it. And like some of it's fluffy in, in, in TV, but like um, the essence here is like he, he was able to like strike emotional chords. And instead of like telling, talking about the product, he talked about like the emotional attachments and the story behind the product. And like in the show, it's all like his images from his past, blah, blah, blah. But that's, that's the first one that, that came, came to mind when you, you asked that question. Mm -hmm. That was a great episode. Another one that comes to mind for me is when they're talking about Heinz beans and they're having so much trouble like figuring out the visuals because you're trying to sell beans, which is like not the sexiest thing ever. So then they're coming up with like camping ideas and comfort food and like your mom making it for you. So I remember them trying to figure that out as well. And I think eventually they did do a good job of it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I honestly thought that that was the the component that you were going to start off with, John, like the the visual component. I'm like, I'm by trade. I, I thought I wanted to be a, a graphic designer uh, when I was a kid. Like I, I learned how to use Photoshop on my dad's Mac before I could run or, or skate. <laughs> um, but I, I'm actually a big fan of like uh, going above and beyond and making your presentations look really, really slick. Um, and uh, this is less in line with like uh, the Mad Men take, but like the, the hind beans take is really focused on like the visual element of, of that pitch. And, you know, I, I keep going back to like, the synaptic theory of visual communication like we remember 10% of what we hear 20% of what we read and 80% of what we see and what we do so like to me there's still like huge impact of like how good your presentation looks um like yeah throw in some data and like tell a story behind that data but like make those charts like really readable um make the presentation like enjoyable for the audience right like if you're pitching a new project and your slide to the audience is like a bunch of words and like you're talking over the words and no one's listening as opposed to like you're splitting that up into three visual slides and you're showing the process and like a flow chart maybe and like the the, mm -hmm. the images of the visual are like supporting the story i guess mm -hmm. i i'm totally envious of your skill set with with slide decks <laughs> and stuff my my slide deck is always starts the same way the google slides basic template and I just hit smash that plus button and then I make a little column for some images and usually they're like Super Mario images and stuff like that. So I'm going to take it a little different of a way and I'm not, I actually think it's totally dope, right? And I, and I look at those presentations and I feel the same way compelled, but I, my capabilities of creating them, no, I have not a visual design bone in my body. What I will say is like, 
uh, I, I have a background as a technical writer. When I was trained in technical writing, it was beaten into my head. Every form of communication needs three things, audience, purpose, and context. So if you know your audience and you know the purpose of what you're doing, then you have to understand the context in which you're presenting this information. So in the tech doc world, Nobody's happy to go find troubleshooting articles. Like that just doesn't happen. Your your software is failing, and you're going into going into a doc in a hurry, in a rush. You want information presented very succinctly. So this is where I would take it a little bit differently. And um, again, for me, I've had to get around the fact that I have uh, absolutely no skill set here. So how do you get things done internally, right? What how does business get made? How do decisions get made? And I think this is where. Uh, there's a lot that goes, the, to me, the presentation is the tip of the iceberg. Everything below that iceberg is the Slack conversations, the video chats, the alignment conversations. This is what, I don't mean this in a negative way, but the internal politicking, right? There are, everybody has a metric that they're incented towards or a purpose or some objective and incentive. Um, so you need to understand what people's motivations are. And then by the time you get to the presentations, really just to seal the deal is probably to get everybody into the room that you've already been talking to for two weeks. And they're like, yep, that's, he's represented my thoughts here. Or, you know, now I see consensus or I don't agree, but like I'm aligned because everybody else is aligned. Right. Um, so I think like how did business decisions are made internally, you can pick and scale the amount of effort you put into your visual presentations. Again, I say this from a position of extreme jealousy of anybody who knows how to like do color schemes and layouts, like just not me. I love it. Makes total sense. Um, Sonia, we're, we're close on time. Why don't you uh, end us out by uh, talking about uh, any side hustles you have going on or anything you want to pitch to the listeners? Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to add another point. On yeah, for here. sure what Jonathan was saying. I just did actually a presentation this morning, which was like a beautiful deck and Canva was very helpful. And <laughs> yeah. the people were very impressed because they didn't expect me to do a presentation. But something that I'm thinking about now is, okay, they're inspired, they're impressed. How do I keep that going? Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing my reporting about their social media, like two months down the line, they're still interested, they're still inspired, they still think it's really cool. So I think there's a lot of place for storytelling, not even when you're trying to get the client, but later on as well, because if I'm presenting their Facebook reach, like they don't care if it's like 24,000, they care about how many sales that is or how many people share their posts and what that looks like. So I think it's just important to keep the storytelling aspect in mind always as you're continuing to go. And it doesn't have to be, you know, super visual all the time. If some of us don't have the skills for that, I feel like there's so many opportunities to do it in other ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that tying into my side hustles and me being a visual person right now, I'm creating greeting cards and each one is custom made by hand because I enjoy the process as opposed to like making a print and selling that. I like making mm. them from scratch every Very time cool. and seeing the individual differences. So mm. for Valentine's <laughs> Day, there is cards and then I'll be doing more later on for the other holidays and International Women's Day and things like that. But yeah, currently my gig is freelancing as a digital marketing consultant and virtual assistant. So if anybody needs like website optimization help or any writing or social media done, you can find me on social and my website is just my name.ca. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for being on the show and for being a listener and uh, throwing us those questions. Uh, it, was, it was a ton of fun to, to riff on that a little bit. Maybe we convinced John to, to start watching a little TV, but probably not. I just downloaded Photoshop, so. <laughs> Never mind Photoshop. Like, go for Canva. I don't know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> Love it. Awesome. Thanks again, Sonia. Thank you so much.